It's Mission Month here at Eastlake. Um, it's all about who we are, where we are going, and what we are about. But do you know what I love about church? Is we use this Christianese words and we call it the body of Christ. It just means that we all have a part to play, that we're actually united in our faith in Jesus. It doesn't matter if we're in the church in America, the church in Africa, the church in Australia, or Mandra. We're united in our faith in Jesus. And do you know what that tells me? It means you don't have to switch off. If you're just visiting this morning, if you call Eastlake home, if you're just checking this whole church thing out, if you're joining us online, just because we're talking about our mission as Eastlake doesn't mean that you can't apply that mission into your own church, into your own family, into your own home, into your own lives. At Eastlake, we say that our mission is that we are... Oh, goodness. Three weeks in. Are we ready? We are... We are... We are... There we go. You know, I said last week that my prayer would be that it wouldn't just be written on the walls, but it would be written on our hearts also. I'm still praying to God. I see a victory. It's our final week. In week one, Pastor Bron spoke an incredible message on the fact that we are Jesus followers and how Jesus gave us this invitation to follow him. He simply said, follow me. And this simple invitation, it's for all. This is a church and we serve a God who is for all people, all nations, all colors, all creeds. The invitation is for all. You know what I love about this church is we're not really about a something as much as we are about a someone. And that's what we're about. And this invitation, it's also for life. It's not just for Sunday. It's for Monday through to Sunday, right? And the invitation to follow after Jesus, it's also meant for someone. It's a gift that we receive, an incredible gift that nothing we could do or say or have done or will do would allow us to have this gift except for believing in Jesus. But it's also a gift we get to share. This invitation is meant for someone. We are Jesus' followers. And then last week we talked about being hope traffickers. We are hope traffickers. And we looked at the story of John chapter 1 and Andrew and Jesus and his first disciples. And we talked about the three things that hope traffickers say. Because when Andrew encountered hope in Jesus, the first thing he did was go tell someone about it. The first thing he did after receiving hope was to traffic hope. And we said that hope traffickers, they say, I still have purpose. That means no matter where you are at this morning, no matter your age or your gender, that you still have purpose. That you still have purpose. That many... My man, you still have purpose. And the other thing hope traffickers say is that you can't steal my hope. You can't steal my hope. Why? Because when our hope isn't in the things of this world, the things of this world can't steal our hope. When our hope isn't in the things of this world, the things of this world can't steal our hope. And the last thing that hope traffickers say is, I see you. They have the courage to say, I see you, not for your color, not for your background or your behavior or your success or your bank account, but for your identity 
in Jesus. Through the eyes of unconditional love, I see you for the purpose that God has for you. We are hope traffickers. And this week, would you guess, we're talking about the local church. Our mission to be the local church, to be your local church. And it's about community. It's about this community and how we are as a family, but it's also about where we are in our community. Because we aren't blinded by these four walls, right? And I want to kick it off by looking at uh, the, picking up the scripture where we were last week in John chapter 1, verse 40. Last week we said the first thing. This week, I want to title the message, The Next Day. Everyone say, The Next Day. The Next Day. The next day. Okay, verse 40. Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, was one of the two who had heard that, what John had said and who had followed Jesus. We read this last week. The first thing, everyone say, Andrew did was find his brother Simon and tell him, we have found the Messiah, that is the Christ, and he brought him to Jesus. Jesus looked at him and said, you are Simon, son of John. You will be called Cephas, which means translated Peter. He called him for what he was becoming. Jesus said, I see you. And then verse 43, the next day, everyone say it. The next day, Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. There it is again. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, who was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses wrote about in the law, and the one whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael asked. Come and see, said Philip. There's that invitation again. When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. Jesus saw him for who he was becoming. It's a pattern. How do you know me? Nathaniel asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathaniel declared, Rabbi, teacher, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus said, you believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree, but you will see greater things than that. He then added, very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Pretty powerful scripture, isn't it? We talked about in the week one, following Jesus. The first thing we did was traffic hope, but then the next day, it says, the next day, in verse 43, Jesus decided. The next day, Jesus decided. I wonder what you would do if Jesus decided. I wonder what you would do if you were sitting on a board or a committee and Jesus decided, would you still put it to a vote? What would you do if you were sitting in your car trying to work out where to go for dinner and like me, your wife just could not decide? And when she finally did decide, it was the one place you said, just not there. But then Jesus leans forward from the back seat, you guessed. No, I think we should go there. Would you argue with him? Shouldn't be arguing with my wife in all honesty. What would you do if Jesus decided, even if you don't believe in Jesus this morning, if you're still sort of figuring this whole thing out, checking it all out, you probably know enough about him to know that if he was sitting around the table and he decided something, you might go, sounds good, mate. We'll go with what he said, right? That's what we think. But in reality, it's quite different. We think that when Jesus decides something in our life, that we'd go, yeah, yeah, sure. 
But I think we like to play Jesus sometimes. I think we like to play God sometimes, and we might not call it that, but every time that we take the driving wheel, every time we choose not to trust his instruction over our life and do our own thing, we're playing God. And it's kind of what Nathaniel did in this scripture when he said, who are you to speak into my life? It says in verse 43, the next day Jesus decided to leave for Galilee. Finding Philip, he said to him, follow me. Philip, like Andrew and Peter, was from the town of Bethsaida. Philip found Nathanael and told him, We have found the one Moses spoke about in the law and whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And what does Nathanael say? Nazareth? Can anything good come from there? Nathanael's basically saying, who's he? Who is he to speak into my life? I call it the Nathanael spirit. Can anything good come from there? You know, it still exists today still exists in the church, at least it has. I pray it doesn't exist here. We've been accused of being judgmental over the years. And I grew up in church. That accusation is pretty accurate, right? We're messy. We always will be. If anyone told you, come to church, they're all good people. We try to be, but we're all human. We're all messy. So how do we untangle this mess? You know, you might even encounter it when you tell someone, hey, I go to church, and they go, and that look in their face, you can read what they're saying. Can anything good come from there? We look at people. We're guilty of it. Can anything good come from them? Oh, they've been to Nazareth. Look what they've done. Look who they were with. Can anything good come from them? Do you know what I'm talking about? I call it the Nathaniel spirit, but how do we untangle this mess? What's the answer? Can anything good come from them? Can anything good come from Josh? Answer, no. <laughs> Thank you. I want to bring a few scientific formulas this morning. I wasn't a real English guy. I was more of a maths and science guy. Who's a maths and science guy over English? Come on. Oh, not as many in here this morning. Hopefully we'll be able to work out these equations. They're seriously complicated. All right? We like complicated things in this church. Make it hard for you. I'm joking. Come on, lighten up, everybody. I want to talk about three equations for a healthy church. But don't switch off. It's three equations for a healthy soul, too. You can apply them personally, and you can apply them in community. And the first is this. Josh equals messy. Josh plus Jesus equals still kind of messy. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That's why Scripture says that we need to die to ourselves. That's why Scripture says we need to humble ourselves under the mighty hand of the Lord, that He might lift us up in due time. It's why we let Jesus take the driving wheel of life. It's why we place our trust in Him. It's only then that the everything comes. That's why that scripture says, seek first the kingdom of God and everything else will be added unto you. Without Jesus, we're pretty messy. And good only comes when we make ourselves nothing. And in today's society, we're like, what? Nothing. Don't I have worth? Yes, you do. But when it's connected 
with Jesus. When the equation is right, Jesus plus me. Jesus plus less of me equals everything. Why do we dance and sing when the world's in turmoil? Why do we lift up our hands and get called the happy clappers when real stuff's happening in our lives? Because we're declaring with faith that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. Even if I have nothing tomorrow, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. The equation's already worked out for us because Jesus has the power to redeem broken things like no other power in this world. Like Isaiah 61 says, beauty from ashes. In this local church, in this community, in this family, we believe Jesus plus nothing else equals everything. We aren't religious people. We're Jesus people. And we haven't got life all figured out. But we do know that real life is found in him. And do you know what I love about this equation? Jesus plus nothing equals everything. You might say, I'm worthless. I haven't got anything. I haven't got anything good to offer. Well, you're just looking at the wrong part of the equation. You're looking at nothing and you need to shift your perspective back and realize that Jesus plus nothing is actually everything. And sometimes we get stuck on the other end of the equation. I've got everything. I've got it all worked out. And we need to step back and go, only because of Jesus plus nothing equals everything. We got it? Say it with me. Jesus plus nothing equals everything. That's probably a bit long for a say with me thing. Next equation. Are you ready? Nathaniel. He couldn't see what good was coming from Nazareth, right? In verse 47, it says, When Jesus saw Nathanael approaching, he said to him, Here truly is an Israelite in whom there is no deceit. How do you know me? Nathanael asked. Jesus answered, I saw you while you were still under the fig tree before Philip called you. Then Nathanael declared, Rabbi, you are the son of God. You are the king of Israel. Jesus sees them. We keep hammering this week after week. Week one. Last week we said, I see you. Week one, we said the invitation is meant for someone because the power isn't in Jesus' upbringing. It isn't in the fact that he's from Nazareth. It isn't in the fact that he's from, not from Jerusalem. It isn't in the fact that he's not from Mandra. The power came when Jesus saw Nathanael for who he was and spoke that over his life. And his response was to declare, to declare Jesus is the Son of God. That's a pretty big turnaround, isn't it? Can anything good come from Nazareth? Wow. Saviour of the world came from Nazareth. The local church and this church, we aren't blinded by these four walls. We realise that these four walls are our planning ground for this city. That this is, I like to think of it as our half-time huddle. You know when you go to the change rooms when you're playing footy? We come together, but we're meant to go back out there and fight the second half and to win. We're meant to come in here to go out there to bring them in here. That's how the equation works. And so I've got a really extreme one for you here. One plus one equals growth. They beat me to it. One plus one equals growth because growth equals healthy. One plus one equals growth 
Growth equals healthy. Why? Because healthy things grow. Some of you would know the story of my lawn. My immaculate lawn. I've got a battle with Hank Wykstra down the street about whose lawn is the best. And I've been dominating him. Absolutely dominating him. You know, he can't even compete. I actually find it funny because he's out there working on his lawn every day. I'm just sitting back. The favor of the Lord upon my home. This green, luscious, the deepest of green. Some people say it's long, too long. I call it luscious. I think they're just jealous. Luscious lawn. I mean, you could stand in it and it would kind of come up to your shin just recently. Still green, though. Beautiful lawn. And I went away on holiday for a week uh, the other week and Dad surprised me by coming by, thank you, and mowing the lawn. It took him eight hours. (laughs) It's just a normal house. (laughs) Eight hours to mow this lawn and I wasn't too disappointed. I thought, yeah, maybe it needs a bit of a trim. And then when I came home, I saw this photo. You'll notice the green at the bottom. (laughs) It's not a full concrete front driveway. He destroyed my whole identity. I feel Hank driving past every day. (laughs) Loser. It's going to take me months to recover from this, but you know what the fact is? It was green on top, but it was dead on the inside. The reason Hank was having to work on his lawn, because his lawn was growing. Mine wasn't growing. It just stayed there. I was happy with it. Didn't have to mow it. But the reality was that it was green on top, but dead on the inside. And I wonder sometimes if we've got to ask ourselves the question, are we green on the outside, but dead on the inside? As a church, are we green on the outside, but dead on the on the inside because healthy things grow and the minute you realize that healthy things grow you understand that coming to a church service that lasts an hour isn't a blessing so that you get to go enjoy the rest of your Sunday it's a blessing because you've got more time to go and traffic hope to share the invitation with someone to find that plus one who's the plus one in your life the equation's simple one Plus one. It's simple, right? One plus one equals growth. Growth equals healthy. I know numbers aren't everything. I don't want a big church for big church sake, but numbers do mean something. If we're not growing, then we've got to look around. We've got to look a little deeper down into that grass and go, are we healthy on the inside? This church, your local church, there's a standing open invite. There's a standing plus one. And I could put a banner on the street as my friend's church has that says, no perfect people allowed. And we could say, come as you are, like we've got little signs on the street, but it won't be as effective as when you take that banner of who you are into your workplace, into your families, and have this attitude of, where's my plus one this week? I wanted to put invitations on all of the seats this morning, but I didn't get around to it. That said, Eastlake Church, next Sunday, plus one. You, plus one. You have the power. I don't have the power. I do. I can do my plus one. 
But church, community only works when we all take responsibility for that invitation. One plus one equals growth, and growth equals healthy. Finally, Nathaniel recognizes Jesus as the Son of God. And Jesus, like he did to Peter last week, immediately calls Nathaniel by what he was coming, becoming. He says, You believe because I told you I saw you under the fig tree. You will see greater things than that. He then added, Very truly, I tell you, you will see heaven open and the angels of God ascending and descending on the Son of Man. Who wants to see that? I know I, know I do. Healthy community, a healthy church, a healthy soul. They know that Jesus plus nothing equals everything. They know that one plus one equals growth and growth equals healthy. And they know that you plus church equals more. Jesus said, great things are to come. The best is yet to come. But it comes from being connected to community. He tells him, you will see greater things. You like the fig tree trick? Greater things than that are coming your way. If you walk with me, greater things. If you work with me, greater things. Jesus, he designated a community. He called it back then an ecclesia. We call it the church today. It's never been about a building. It's always been about a people united in our faith in Jesus. And in unity, Scripture says, God commands a blessing. In unity, God commands a blessing. That's why we say we are better together. That's why we say you plus church equals more. It equals greater things. And don't get me wrong, you can do a lot on your own. You're all individually incredible. But the truth is you plus church is even greater. It's just the maths. It's just the equation. You can do amazing things on your own, but you can do better connected with others. It's simple, but it takes submission to self and being part of a team, a family, and a community, your local church. We are hope traffickers. We are Jesus followers. We are your local church, your local church that, where you can discover your worth in Jesus, your local church where you can grow and invite your local church where greater things are in store. Maybe today you need to let go of something and recognize that less of you equals more of God. Maybe this morning you need to think of that plus one that you can go about out this week and invite to church to say, come and see. It's a simple invitation. Maybe today, you can be the one that's, that stops saying, can anything good come from there? And start saying, come and see. Maybe today you need to plant yourself in the local church and understand that you plus church equals more. Do you know how you plant yourself in the local church? You serve. You come regularly. You give. It connects you with the local church, and we've gone dead silent. Because it's challenging, right? The last two weeks have been inspiring. 
We are hope traffickers. We are Jesus followers. He is for us who can be against us. True. But that difference that it makes in the inside of your heart is meant to drive down into your feet and your hands so that you become the body of Christ. So that you begin to do His work. Yes, He's changed my heart. But that now changes how I walk. It now changes how I act. It now changes what I do. It now changes what I give my priority towards. And so you decide. Are you better on your own? Or better with the church? Challenging. I know. But I've got to give you the truth. It's Jesus plus nothing that equals everything. It's one plus one that equals growth, which equals healthy. And it's you plus the church that equals more. I'm so thankful for the guys. (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Why don't we stand to our feet if the band could come up. Thank you. You're beautiful. You're beautiful, Alex. Why don't we stand to our feet and worship together? We're going to sing a song that says this glorious day. You know, I want to read um, from Isaiah 61. If I've got time to do, I do. Isaiah 61 is titled, The Year of the Lord's Favor. And I've had this thought all week that I want to pray this over you. This blessing, this favor over you. Because I believe that this comes from when you put these three things together. It says, The Spirit of the Sovereign Lord is on me, because the Lord has anointed me. To proclaim good news to the poor, he has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for, for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners. This is our call to action. To proclaim the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn and provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning and a garment of praise Instead of a spirit of despair, they will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. Strangers will shepherd your flocks, for foreigners will work your fields and vineyards, and you will be called priests of the Lord. You'll be named ministers of our God. We are all ministers of our God. You will feed on the wealth of nations and their riches you will boast. Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion. Instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance. And so you will inherit a double portion in your land and everlasting joy will be yours. For I, the Lord, love justice. I hate robbery and wrongdoing. In my faithfulness, I will reward my people. And make an everlasting covenant with them, an everlasting promise with them. Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are people that the Lord has blessed. I want to pray that over this morning, over you this morning. That all that see you this week would know that the Lord has blessed you. I delight greatly in the Lord. My soul rejoices in my God for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adores his head like a priest and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. 
For as the soil makes the sprout come up and garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. Dear Lord, I pray that you would cause righteousness and joy to spring up from this church, that we would take your challenge, not from man, not from Josh saying, come serve in church, we need your help, but that it would be a response of love and of service and acknowledging that I don't have it all figured out. But with you, Lord, the blessing comes. The peace comes. The restoration comes. Lord God, this morning, would you help us to realize that we can't do anything to cause you to love us? That God, that is your gift of grace, your promise of faithfulness, that you love us for even though we know not what we do. Lord, would your love and your grace pour over this church this morning? Would the favor of the Lord be upon us as we go forward into this week? Lord, would you give us favor over those people that we're inviting? And would you help us to remember that it is you who gets gets all the glory, that it's you who gets all the praise, that everything we have is because of you. Every good thing comes from him above. In your mighty name, Lord, we pray. Amen. Amen. Hey, we love you, church. I do want to give you an opportunity to respond, to invite Jesus into your life. And I know we're talking about church and Jesus followers and hope traffickers, but you might be sitting there going, yeah, but I still don't get why it matters to me. Can I give you that in a minute? I wonder whether you have ever thought about what happens when you die. Like Adam said, he sort of knew that Sabbik was around and most of us would acknowledge that that we probably go somewhere when we die, otherwise life would be meaningless. Research actually shows that it's over 90% of people that go, we go somewhere. So the question is, where? Most people would agree that it's, it's either one of two places. We can't all go to the same place because that would make life meaningless again, right? And most agree that it's probably a good place and a bad place. So the question rises, how do we decide? Is it who does more good than who does bad? I don't know how you'd ever work that out. It seems pretty messy, right? So why don't we just use like the Ten Commandments to work it out? We could try. Do not steal, do not lie. Do not covet. I failed. And so we're either guilty or not guilty, right? And I don't know about you, but I feel pretty guilty. And so the problem arises, right? Who decides? How could I ever go to the good place? I can't do everything right. Even if I decided now, I'm already guilty. Enter Jesus, the Savior of the world. When Jesus 
died upon the cross, he was making a way where there was no way. That instead of what we do, how we behave, this guilty or not guilty verdict, he said, not guilty with his love. And so now when God looks down upon us as we choose to believe in him, he doesn't see us. He sees Jesus on the inside of us. And now eternal life is ours. Now abundant life is ours. Now a peace and a joy and a grace is ours. And that's why we believe. That's what we're all about. And I want to invite you into that community as well. As you all bow your heads just to reflect on your own lives and give the others respect, I'd love to invite you just to throw up your hand if you want to make that decision this morning. It's a simple prayer. It's not something you need to do. It's someone that you believe in. And it's a journey. It's not all sunshine and roses. Life isn't all just suddenly figured out, but real purpose, real love, real life can be experienced. So if you want to make that decision this morning, I'll just ask you to throw your hand up so I can identify you and pray with you. We're going to pray together as a church. You can do that now. Raise it up high because we're standing. Thank you. Down the front there. Thank you. Thank you. Is there anyone else that wants to make that decision this morning? Be the greatest. You can put your hand down after you put it up. Awesome up the back there. Church, let's pray together. Dear Jesus, come into my heart. I want to follow you. Forgive me, Lord, for where I've got it wrong, for where I've fallen short, for where I've sinned. I choose to believe that you are my Savior. Come into my heart and transform me from the inside out. In Jesus' name, amen.